0: This is A Modern Man Podcast. I'm your host, JD, and we're brought to you by A Modern Podcast Network. Today, I'm joined by one of my good friends, Scott DeRosa. Scott and I met this winter when I signed up to do a little volleyball to try and be social. Unfortunately, our volleyball team wasn't even fully equipped with enough players to compete in the championship. He was much better great team leader and i improved much over the season but today scott joins me talks a little about about the village that raised him about how he was a young man accepted the responsibility of being a girl dad to three young girls and what his life is set to be now that the pandemic has hit and he's had to pivot into a new career i hope you enjoy his story what's up, man? You hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. So, where have you been staying about now? Around during the pandemic and everything. Do you stay by yourself?
1: No, I stay with um I stay with a couple of other people that I met along the way and whenever I ref basketball.
0: Uh, okay. So, so I want to start back, you know, from birth. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing and your childhood.
1: Okay. Yeah, man. It's uh, How much time do we
0: have, J.D.? <laughs> we got We got as much time as you want. All right.
1: I'll take all day. All right. So uh, born in Chicago and, uh, you know, I lived there not long. Uh, we moved. My family moved to the Pananella, Texas, a uh, little one stoplight town. Not a lot of people, not a lot of people there. Uh, I think there's a Netflix, uh, I don't know if I can say that on here, but there's a, there's a streaming service that uh, is putting a, put up a documentary about a police chief that had a few mistresses that's going viral right now. I actually played against them in sports. And so uh, they were in my district that we played uh, basketball and football and track against. So that was kind of funny to see all those memes come out, but it's this 1800 people. So we went from shakriali shock, I think culture shock for my parents, my family, uh, Early elementary school was raised there. Limited, limited, when I say limited demographics, JD, limited demographics. Okay. (laughs) We categorized people of other races by the one and a half that we had or the uh, two. And so, you know, growing up there was, um, it it helped me be who I am today, but it also uh, made me grow as I kind of transitioned into adulthood. So, you know, graduated there uh, north of Amarillo. It was a little town called Fritch, Texas. I okay. uh, moved to Houston uh, whenever I got out of school and lived with my brother. My brother lives outside of Houston now, works in oil and gas. And, you know, I met a, I met a girl that uh, she lived in Oklahoma City. And so it was easier. Uh, she had three daughters. So it was easier for her to uh, stay in Oklahoma City naturally and me to uh, transfer, transition into the Oklahoma City area.
0: Okay. Okay, you're going. You're going a little fast. Let us go back to what first. What part of Houston did you say? And I, I, my high school career and a little bit of college was in Houston. So what part?
1: Oh, okay. My fault. I I can go back as as far as I want. I'll I'll start back. But um, I uh, I lived in Baytown, um, you know, southeast side of Houston yeah. for how long? A little bit over a year. Okay. And, um, Kind of, as I got out of school or got out of high school, I started into the, I'll call it the workforce. It was, uh, the service industry, restaurants, yeah. uh, or not wait tables and, and sling drinks. I'm sure you know a little bit about that, but yeah, uh, that was in Baytown. Baytown and how old were you when you moved there? Uh, 18. Eight, so immediately
0: after graduating high school, you moved out with your brother who was out there already and moved with him.
1: Yeah, I did, man. I, uh, I had opportunity to go to go to college uh, at a cheap cost, uh, live with a family member, and help kind of reduce some of uh, some of my exposure before uh, before I transitioned into adulthood and had all the responsibilities. Right? Yeah. So, what
0: led you to choose to go there compared to any other school?
1: Man, I've I battled so. Well, we kind of backtrack, and that is my fault for for going uh, going a little fast.
0: Yeah, you, you're a little over eager there. You just wanted to like jump through your entire life,
1: like you know. None well, of this is bad. We gotta get this in. All right, <laughs> no messing around. You know, i uh, I wanted to be a computer programmer, okay. and my mom my mom was just trying to move mountains for me to do it. And so, growing up, we didn't we didn't have a lot of money uh we uh, very much saw poverty that poverty level or below poverty level income for my family and um you know we were lucky to have food truthfully some days we were lucky to have food we were lucky that she worked three jobs she kind of almost killed herself at times to uh provide for us and uh and you know, I remember I was I was in Dallas, uh, out uh, just got out of school, and we were looking at places that I could go and learn how to program computers, and maybe maybe one day make video games. JD, because that was like every teenage boy's dream that, where I was at. And so, you know, I, I'm at there at this trade school, and they're they're talking finances, and my mom is about to sign, uh, you know, this sixty five thousand dollar commitment. And at that, like today, sixty five grand for a you know a college degree is not I guess a lot in comparison to some places, but I remember thinking, whew, yeah. the house I lived in, JD, was that's like me. Three, yeah. Like three, four times it's worth, man. I lived in a, I live in this, the, the blue house on Sheridan and Fridge.
0: I, I know what you mean. I, I know I, that's a lot of money. That's what I'm looking into master's programs right now. And that's what yeah. I'm looking to have to pay. And I'm just like, I didn't want to, but I just got to suck it up, you know? Man,
1: you know? And so I, I had this, I had this gut like gut feeling. I remember being in, it, it was a, you know, school out of Dallas. And, uh, I remember crying. I was so sad because I kind of had this realization that I had to make a decision. It was either I, I do this at the expense of potentially my mom's future or, um, make this decision and try to revamp my future just a little bit. And so, um, uh, didn't end up doing that. And I was just battling, man. I, I really was, I was battling and trying to figure out, cause you know, I, After I graduated, not having sports and athletics anymore, um, trying to figure out kind of what's next. My brother, who I have an older brother, he was in Houston. He had said, hey, man, why don't you come and live with me? And uh, you don't have to worry about working. You can just go to school. And so there was a a school called, uh, you know, Lee Community College in Baytown, Texas. And J.D., it was dirt cheap, dirt cheap. Forty dollars a credit hour, 40 bones. Wow. Like, so, um, you know, I enrolled in classes there and that's kind of how I got to Baytown, man.
0: Okay. All right. And then talk to me about your experience in Baytown and obviously how you met your girlfriend, soon to be wife.
1: Well, you know, it was, uh, it was different. It, it really was, you know, I transitioned from kind of knowing everybody you go from a town 1800 people where uh, you know the village raised you like you could rely on you could rely on people and so uh i remember going from being able to just walk down the street to a friend's house and you know we had an open door policy growing up like we the group of us we just walked into each other's houses uh it kind of seemed strange and you know large areas of the day nobody knocked nobody called the number of days i walked into people's places and they weren't even home i yeah. might have ate something out of the refrigerator because I know that they would have done the same for me. They would have walked into my house. If I wasn't home, they would have they would helped themselves because they were family too. To kind of go from that small town feeling to, you know, this big city, even though Baytown wasn't a gigantic city, it was, you know, 20 minutes from one of the largest cities know, in the U.S., right?
0: And it's a large suburb, very populated suburb, you know. I, I know exactly that feeling because that's how Houston is, yeah.
1: Golly. And so it was – it was – mind-boggling how different it was just the difference in culture the different the difference in access you know you live in a town where uh, the grocery store closes at 8 p.m and you're like 24 oh, hour access to bean burritos if i wanted them <laughs> you know uh i had a little caesars a block from me for the first time in my life and you know <laughs> You know, JD, I was eating Hot and ready's every day. <laughs> I, was, I was crushing a pizza at a time, dude. When right. so right. I first moved there, it was kind of like a, it was a reality shock—a reality shock of what I had access to. Um, but I didn't—I didn't know anybody, yeah. you know. And so I got in—I got into the workforce there. I say the workforce. Some people look at their job functions and what they have today, and they're like, "Man, I really wish I could do better." You know, everybody, everybody thinks that. But I I got my first, um, I got my first job out of town um, and I was waiting tables at a restaurant. Um, It's an Italian restaurant. And man, I didn't even realize it until I got into more of a corporate career. What type of benefit that, um, what type of benefit that that provided me? And so I started waiting tables there and just, you know, starting to experience life. Got to meet people that were of different upbringings got to meet, um, people that had different, you know, sexual orientations than I did. And it was, um, it was just, you know, growth. That's the best way I can describe Baytown was growth, 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 challenges, um, outside of comfort zone. You know, you go from knowing everybody, everybody knowing you to just being a, you know, small fish in a big pond, really. And so, um, you know, you asked about the transition from Baytown to, you know, the girlfriend, wife uh, dynamic there was well, we did the long distance relationship thing in Baytown. She was a gosh, she was a trooper, seven and a half hour drive from Oklahoma city to Baytown. You know, I came up to Oklahoma city, you know, every other weekend, she came down to Baytown every other weekend or so. And just, we kind of did that thing for a while talk about challenges. I mean, if, if you really want to stress or stretch a relationship be eight hours away and try to figure that mess out but you know there just kind of got to a point in time in, in baytown where classes were going the way that they were work was going the way that it was the relationship was progressing and like a decision had to be made either you part ways or you find a way to come together and so you know i was fortunate enough to be able to say and you know, i I say that now, fortunate enough to um for her to agree to say, yeah, we'll take this to the next level. And so I moved to Oklahoma City. Uh moved to Oklahoma City and moved in across the street from her. Um uh, so, you know, a block away. And uh, what year was maybe may I was just trying to test the waters, man, but I'm uh, <laughs> sorry you asked me a question. Man. Oh no, um, no, I just here said here what year was this? Water. Give me give me give me what year was this? Bro. Yeah, that was in two thousand eight. And so you know, I spent 2007 in Baytown, and then uh, to that, that back half of 07, and then the front half of 08 in uh, in Baytown. And I moved to Oklahoma City in the back half of 2008. And so, uh, yeah, golly, it, was, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it's also, you know, just Those were, yeah. So I've been in Oklahoma City since 2008, and yeah. uh, I started across the street from, from a lady and three, three daughters.
0: And and then how did that relationship progress?
1: Do you, do you yeah, we, so we 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 lived across the street from each other for um, for about a year. We uh, spent spent time even doing a short distance relationship because that was that was strange, man. I, I tell I told people often that man, if you have an opportunity to do the long distance thing, like it it has its perks because like you have on time and off time. Right. And so everybody's talking about their space, their whatever is that uh, I, I saw a lot of relationships fizzle out uh, because they just want to spend so much time together. Initially, they irritated the crap out of each other. And then, you know, it exploded. But uh, we, had a, we had a privilege of spending about a year, a year apart, uh, seven hours away. And then, you know, I, uh, I spent about a year uh, across the street from her before we got married. I got married in 2009. And uh, you know, she had at that time the the, at the time that we got together, not the time we got married, but the time that we got together was the her daughters were real young—two and a half, five and change, nine—and here I was, eighteen years old, and I was you know I had a two and a half year old, I had about to be six year old, I had about to I had about to be nine year old, and so I was like, man, I really got to make some some big kid decisions, right? I got to make some. Have you always wanted kids? No, I, um, I didn't even know what I was doing, man. Like, that's the, that's the thing. And I, you know, I people ask me, would ask me that question, like, man, did you just want kids? I was like, no, I just wanted to connect with somebody.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, um, it kind of sounds sad, but I think some people can no. relate no. to the no. statement. Is I wasn't, I wasn't the dude that all the girls went after, man. And so like, I wasn't like, I grew up with some friends that, man, I tell you what, they could just, uh, they had some of the best girlfriends that were available in our, in our small population. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so here, I found this person that was like interested in me. And so I was like, well, hell I gotta, I gotta figure this out, man. Uh, There's somebody that not only has life figured out, but is interested in me. I gotta make some tough decisions. And so uh, at a kind of early, at an early age, I I made a decision. You know, hey, I'm gonna do what I can to um, to be a part, to invest, and uh, let this thing go where it goes.
0: Hey Scott, I just this is what I tell everyone now. All those guys who want to brag, you know, the guy who told you had the great girlfriend in high school, all the I'm like, congratulations at our age. Go brag about the girls, fucking fifteen year old girls. Congratulations, like you know, where does that lead you? You know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, it was cool that the, maybe some guys, when you're 15, 16 year old, got some girls that were cute. But what does that, what does that really do for you long term?
1: Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll speak to the challenges too, because you think that, um, you know, what I'm saying is, man, it was such a like euphoric feeling kind of finally finally like i get to put my skills on display i get to be kind to people i get to show love i get to have like affection returned back to me in the same way that i desire yeah but um at this at the same token you know i i took steps towards a relationship that probably didn't fit long term you know concessions were made because you know what? Hey, this person's giving me what I desire. You know what I'm saying? This person is uh, doing doing things for me or making me feel this way for the first time ever. And so this must be it. And uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't listen, or I, I really I don't want to say I didn't listen, I just didn't know. And so you talk about the dangers, the dangers and the the coolness of, you know, at 15 you have this, this, and this, like it all figured out is you really don't know what you, you need to know at that time. And, uh, and so naturally she was, uh, you know, nine, nine and a half ten 10 years older. Um, she had more life figured out. And so uh, she was influential in, uh, in some of my career growth and some of my personal growth, because I didn't have to, I didn't have to focus on growing her. She was already kind of in a, in a state where she had more of a mature background, more of a mature lifestyle. And so, um, it golly, so many, so many ups and downs came from that. So such a roller coaster, but you're right. You're right. Cool, bro. That's <laughs> real cool that, uh, that you succeeded there. And so, um,
0: but I also understand cause I went through the phase two of dating the single mom. And, there was one point where I went to a kind of play date with a girl I was dating, who was a single mom. And then my friend who had a kid and the girl he was dating and his kid and my other friend. And, and it was like my life, it was like flash before my, and I didn't know if I was ready for that commitment. Cause I thought I was, cause that's what I wanted. And I could have been in the same position, like I said, cause I, I thought that's what I wanted. And I just wasn't ready to, fully commit yet and but again like i said you came out of it with great opportunity because she did help you in so many other ways
1: and yeah jd i i want to be very very respectful of the other individual too and the individuals involved and so like in this conversation i I hope to be as genuine as i can be as as you know forthcoming as i can but to say that she and I got married because, um, you know, it was just, it was true. Love is love. Like love was a part of it. Yeah. A was a part of it. Intimacy was a part of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, something that I had to battle with, um, especially early on was, um, whenever I entered the picture, uh, there was a, uh, there was a custody, a custody agreement or a custody arrangement, That was filed because of me coming into the picture.
0: Oh wow! So I
1: enter the picture. I enter the picture, and within you know a month, like thirty days or so, this um, thirty days of that the other individual finding out, they file paperwork, and all of a sudden, this court case that's changing the trajectory of her life is now on the table. And so I have to make a decision. Did I enter somebody's life just to mess around or did I enter somebody's life to, you know, be involved, make an impact, have a relationship. And so there was a, there was a big driving factor of decisions that had to be made there of okay. Hey, I gotta, I, I, you know, I hate saying it, but I gotta shit or get off the pot here. You know what I'm saying? What do you do? Because my, my decision that day, JD was not only affecting me, it was affecting my uh, future wife and also, or three kids.
0: Talk about your little experience, then being young, and then being a girl dad to three girls.
1: JD, like people would ask me all the time, "Hey, Scott, do you want to have any other kids?" I'm like, "Hell no!" <laughs> I, I was like, "I don't even know how to raise these three girls, man." Because uh, when, when, when you have kids, and, and so like, listen. I, I've never had triplets, okay? Never had triplets. There, there are complexities to triplets. But they're all the same age. And like, you're having similar complexities. You just don't have enough arms, all yeah. right? <laughs> These three girls, they're stair okay? And so I've got one girl that she, um, you know, she's small, you know, two two and change. Um, you know, conversations are, two, are you know, simple conversations like you really got to listen to like hear what she's saying the about to be six-year-old she's able to have more like complex conversations but she's still standing on like a laptop if you leave it in the floor that was, that was something too that i was like oh man uh i was used to just leaving my stuff wherever i wanted to and now i had to worry about Who's gonna step on what? Who's gonna break <laughs> stuff? Who's gonna spill things on things? And so yeah, early on, people asked me a question like, Hey, do you want to have any other kids? I'm like, no, dude. I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out how I can shortcut this bell curve of learning how to be a parent. Because at, at least whenever you have a newborn, yeah, you gotta learn how not to sleep. Yeah, you gotta learn how to feed it. Yeah, you gotta learn how to change diapers, yeah, you gotta learn how to potty trade. But dude, I'm trying to learn how I'm trying to learn how to show up at parent-teacher conferences, while enroll somebody in kindergarten, while, oh my goodness, like I gotta pick this one up from daycare and like all of a sudden, like bam, all of a sudden my life changed. You know what I'm saying? I was like, why would I want to add another kid to the mix of that? That's like, that's that's pouring gasoline on the flame, dude. And they're like, but Scott, don't you wanna have like one of your own? I was like, and do what? And neglect the other three because I have this thing that's mine? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody wants to admit it whenever they're like a stepdad. Nobody wants to say it out loud. Like, well, I, but I know they're thinking it, JD. God, I know they're thinking it. If I have a kid of my own, will I treat them differently than, than these other three? And I, I've seen that applied in life. Like stepdad doesn't engage or involve themselves in, let's say the three's life because they're more focused on the one that maybe they created. And, uh, and you know, I, uh, I didn't, that was a big, that was a big thing that I wasn't really comfortable, um, answering for myself is was I going to be able to treat them with the same love and respect that they, they deserve, um, if I had my own. And so I had to learn, man, I, I had to learn things like I can't walk around the house in my underwear because, uh, you know, I don't have the same anatomy that they do. I had to learn how to, uh, you know, you wipe from the front to the back, J.D., not just however you wanted to. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And so like, I had just so many things, um, fingernail polish to Disney movies and princesses and characters and, you know, the makeup scene and val- talking about Valentine's Day in a different way. Like, all of a sudden, all these things I had to learn, being a girl dad, was um, – You just, I just grew up differently, you know, as a, as a male, I grew up differently. And all of a sudden in this house of four women, uh, I could, I could tell story after story about just experiences with those girls. One day, JD, uh, one of them comes home from school, man. She said, she's talking about how she's having a tough day. Cause you know, the equivalent of JD was talking all this trash and he was mean to me. He made me come on this Zoom conference call, and he tells me he tells me what to do, and then I I didn't listen, but I don't really want to say that out loud. But JD's being mean to me, and so I the the stepdad version of Scott says, "Well, did you hit him?" And she's like, "No, no, we don't we don't hit we don't we don't hit." It was like I was like, "Oh, kind of boys at that age." I just you know, kind of wrestled, <laughs> throw punches every once in a while, spit on each other. I mean, I don't – I was like, I had to figure out, oh, well, wait a minute. But the things that, you know, maybe I did growing up.
0: We saw prob- they all saw problems either. a little
1: differently, yeah. Yeah, they sure do. They absolutely do, man. But, uh, God, they were different personalities too, too bro. It was just uh, the oldest one. She was a – she was a sweeping under the rug until it's a monster – like, you can't, like, you can't deal with it. By the time you find out, like she had already hidden it so well that it was like, what am I going to do about this? The middle one, she was the one, she didn't like change. And so she was the defy everybody in the room, but she was still going to comply because her mom did a phenomenal job at raising them. Honestly, like I can say that today with all the, with all the negativity that might've spiraled in our relationship. Yeah. Uh, like that that girl, she was so disciplined and following through with what was uh, being t- what what was told for her to do. So she, might, I might say, hey, why don't you go and into the dishwasher? And while she's slamming dishes in the dishwasher, JD, she's telling me how much she doesn't like and to do the dishes. And she did the dish dishes yesterday. And, oh, oh that's me that's me yeah. okay. okay like i just want to let you know okay yeah, that, yeah. and the youngest one she was uh she lied she was a liar man uh, and so, like, yeah i did the dishes i absolutely did like hey why are there dishes in the sink like oh well i did the dishes yesterday like you didn't ask me today if i had done the dishes like and so um, uh getting getting to know their personalities and how to um, how to speak to them was its own challenge, okay. you know. And so being a being a girl dad uh, was a lot of fun. Honestly, it was um, it was so rewarding. You thought like um, you know you worried about stuff that honestly I don't I don't know that parents worry about the same thing with boys. You hold them to a different standard, and it, yeah. I think it really helped me in the workforce with things like women empowerment how I maybe treated my female coworkers and you know um, advocating for just people in general not just people that are like me that makes sense I
0: feel like that even goes back to you described your upbringing you're saying like yes you didn't come from a bit, very diverse town but the town that you lived in everybody was struggling. Everybody was out there fighting, and everybody, you know, needed a helping hand. So, you kind of didn't judge people for who they are. It's just we're all in this together kind of mentality.
1: Yeah, man. So a little bit about that, and you know, I I didn't really do it much respect in the beginning of our conversation. Was um, yeah, it took a village to raise me. Um, it absolutely did. Uh, not there were a lot of people that struggled out out in that that town. Cause it was big oil and gas. And so just like in Oklahoma oil and gas, uh, yeah. kind of has its ups and its downs, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it was, it was a sports community and I joke and say, people played sports or did drugs. One of the two, some people were good enough to do both. Yeah. I wasn't, I was like, <laughs> they might show up to a football game or basketball game high and still mm-hmm. be able to put up 20, like, Hey man, Hey, what are you doing? I need mean, whatever whatever you got, but uh, that just wasn't my lifestyle. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll commend my father for this. Um, he made a decision early in my life that was not, not productive to our family structure. Absolutely. He made, um, he made some decisions that to this day he regrets. Okay. And uh, he made decisions to drink alcohol excessively. And uh, it it had an effect on my family. It had an effect on my relationship with my brother, my sister, my mom. um, How how I grew up inside the house. How I wanted to be out of the house. Um, It it affected so many things. His that decision of his. Um, And there was a point in time where the state the state JD they said to my mom like, Hey, either you get them out or we do. You pick. And so she did. And, uh, you know, I, I stayed at a fam- at friend's house. I stayed at church family's house. Uh, there were uh, there was a like a five year period where I was, you know, sleeping in other people's homes or in my home or, you know, I was having dinner with somebody else just to be out of the house so that I could come back in the house just to sleep. And, uh, you know, people people brought me in. Uh-huh. And um, although I had to learn how to play the game, because if I showed up at, you know, at the Farrell household, uh, household, I had to play by the Farrells' rules. If I was in the Derosa household that day, I had to play by the Derosa rules. And so, shoot, we didn't. My parents found out that I I had a fast metabolism. Whenever they found they caught wind that I was eating three dinners a night, man. I was, uh, I was showing up at my friend Logan's house to eat once. I was going to my friend Tyler's house to eat a second time. And I show up to my house to have dinner. And there, my mom was, like, offended. She's like, why do you tell me you're not to get enough food? I'm like, well, I'm always hungry, Mom. I'm always hungry. And, uh, you know, she adjusted. But it, it took a village to raise me. And I respect that so much. And uh, that's driven me in my adult life, too, is that people showed me kindness and empathy and sympathy and care that they didn't have to.
0: Um,
1: Maybe I deserved it. Maybe I didn't, but they didn't have to dude. And, uh, but they did anyways.
0: Okay. So I feel like you had a very unique upbringing. And what do you think? I wouldn't, I don't want you to kind of compare and contrast the two uh, men, but which do you think impacted more of who you are today? The period of, the upbringing in the village or the girl debt period would, I know they both had a combination, but kind of, I guess, describe which one affected you more and kind of just, I guess, come into a few words, how you would describe each of those time periods in your life as well.
1: I think that my childhood affected me more.
0: Your child, Okay.
1: And uh, it, get, it set the bar of expectations for myself. Uh, I wanted to be better. Yeah. I wanted to be better than uh, than what was around me. You know what I'm saying? And so I think to answer your question in as few words as I can, is my childhood impacted me more and who I am today. Now, uh, it didn't positively impact me. And and that's, that's something that, you know, it had its good, but it also had its bad. Some things that I tried to avoid because of it, you know, some things that maybe I buried or locked away that I didn't deal with until um, later in life. Uh, It affected my relationships, it affected uh, my drive, it affected my career, my childhood affects affects my competitiveness, whether it's in volleyball or banking or basketball or hopscotch, man, my childhood affected those things. And so, girl dad helped me refine some things girl dad helped me eliminate some distractions it didn't it didn't force me to eliminate all distractions it didn't force me to make um, conscious decisions Uh, my childhood absolutely did and uh and uh, i i think to answer your question that that drove me more
0: okay and now let's fast forward to obviously you're not still in that relationship we're kind of we're going not so present day more present day a year ago 2020 what what happened more when the pandemic hit were you in the same situation same job were you able to still
1: work no no I wasn't man um kind of a, a strange deal and uh I'm in a different job today than what I was a year ago today. Uh I was I was uh, you know I was transitioning, truthfully. Yeah. At, a year ago today, I knew that I was leaving Oklahoma.
0: Oh.
1: Um, I was presented a job in November. Um in uh, November 2019. Of 19, no, I'm sorry, November of 19. Yeah. I was presenting a job. And so flash forward to a year ago, January 28th, 2020, I was trying to survive. Honestly, Um, I was showing up to work um, and doing whatever I could just to stay there. Um, I was um, I didn't want to move out of my house at that time, uh, but I knew that I was leaving. And so I woke up every day and I saw um, an individual that I was going to separate from and three girls that I, or two girls at that time, cause the oldest one, she was already out the house and two girls at that time that, um, I was having to prep myself to say goodbye to, um, because my, uh, my new job was out of state and my new job was in a different industry and my new job started in March. Um, and so on January 28th, 2020, I was prepping myself mentally for, um, I'm gonna be changing all the things that I've worked the last eleven years of my life for. Yeah, I'm gonna to have to shift who I'm doing things for. Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for them? Am I doing it for the girls? Am I doing it for the, the spouse? Uh, am I doing it for accolades? What am I doing it for? Yeah. And so uh, January 28th, I, I was in a really really dark place, man. A, a lot of a lot of alcohol, honestly. A lot of depression. Uh, I was trying. I was just trying to survive. I, I might shower three or four times a day. I might sit in the sauna, you know, as often as I, I could healthily sit in the sauna yeah, uh, just to pass the time. And so when um, my work knew that I was leaving and I don't, we already hired my replacement. Uh, we were going in January, we were going through the interview phases of that. And I was having to hire and train my replacement. And so I, not only saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but um, I was supposed to drive the car there too, um, you know? Yeah, I understand. And so when the pandemic hit, I had just gotten the flu. It was so, so bad. My dad, the week before that it was classified a pandemic was in the hospital on a ventilator, oxygen levels low, pneumonia, flu-like symptoms. So we're like, man, I thought I was gonna lose my dad. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to recover like that dude, Side sidebar. And that dude is not the epitome of health, but like he still keeps on kicking, man. He, he's a fighter. <laughs> and so he gets released out of the hospital and uh, I I get the flu and uh, type A. And I'm like, I'm down with the flu. I'm like a few weeks. I'm literally a few weeks from transitioning to this. Uh, truthfully, it was supposed to be a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. I was going to become the next CEO of a you know, billion dollar company. That I was going to be the CEO in training, and so I was leaving. I was leaving a job that not a lot of people have in the U.S. to begin with. Uh, well, I mean, in Oklahoma, anyways. Mm-hmm. I was a corporate trainer for a financial institution for a you know multi billion dollar company. I was I was really the only one at the company that did what I did. Yeah. And so when I left, I had to I gave them a quarter worth of notice. I gave them three months worth of notice, and less than thirty days from me departing from the bank, bam, COVID hits. And I'm like, I already hired my replacement, dude. I already hired my replacement. Uh, I'm in a house that I can't stay in. I'm in a relationship that I can't stay in. I I don't have a job anymore. So the
0: the relationship, was it it fully over at this point? Or I thought it was over at this point. Was it not fully ended at this point?
1: Well, one of the best things I could have done was buy a house that had an upstairs. And so I stayed upstairs, man. And so the relationship, the relationship was um, over emotionally Mm -hmm. for the most part. Like you, uh, and I've said this to a few people is that whenever you decide to get married, I think you get married for a reason. I think that you, um, you get engaged for a reason. You get into a relationship. You're involved sexually, intimately in conversation for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I still, even to this day, I still have love for that individual, but how do I show the love? How do I show love uh, uh, differently today? Now at that time, at that time I still had a lot of anger, man. I still had a lot of anger and, and frustration about this thing that, you know, either I worked hard for or she worked hard for and it just didn't, it didn't connect. And so I lived in the same house as the individual that I had made a mental decision and a physical decision that I was no longer going to be with that individual. Okay. And so um, we were in the same space during that time but we just weren't together. We were like ships in the night, man. We just crossed paths and hope that we didn't crash into each other. All right.
0: All right. And then you find out about the job as well. And then, so,
1: yeah. So, so then I, I no, ahead.
0: I'm just saying continue.
1: Oh yeah. Um, so I called my boss. I was like, Hey, I don't know what's available. I don't know what's, what options do I have? My new job has asked me, can I stay for a little while? And so my boss said, "We can still use you." Okay. And so they transitioned me to some. Uh, they transitioned me to a different department, and um, honestly, COVID kept me employed yeah. because otherwise, um, they they weren't going to front my salary without me taking a full time position someplace else. But when the um, as COVID started going, uh, as the pandemic started to hit, the stimu- that two trillion dollar stimulus package hit too. Right. $1,200 STEMI check, mm-hmm. uh, small business lending. Yeah. And the bank transitioned me to the department that was dealing with small business loans and those SBA loans, the paycheck protection program loans. That helped. And so
0: right?
1: as the end of March happened and April happened, I got transitioned to another department and um, shoot, God, we were working like dogs, dude. Shoot, man. I, I'm telling you, I was, I was working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, that's how busy we were. Uh, sleeping on a concrete floor in the bank, plugging in people's loan applications at 3 a.m. Because uh, in a in a 14 day period, we had gotten uh, 20 years worth of loan applications in 14 days. And uh, I was uh, I was on the shit show, man. Uh, just like it was my entire career there. They picked me up for like uh special forces type banking projects or whatever nonsense but so you know, with we, this we,
0: change in role was it a pay increase pay decrease
1: shoot i was thankful to have a job man i was uh i saw the writing on the wall i didn't care uh, uh truthfully and i wasn't in a permanent position i was in a band-aid uh they they said hey we got all this volume coming in yeah we need somebody that can duck their head." and do work and so they started asking who who can do work like who can duck their head and get stuff done and uh my my name came up a number of times over the years whenever that happened at that company and it did that time too and uh shoot started out started out just you know plugging numbers and before i knew it i had a, a team of six and then before i knew it i was in charge of a team of 12 and then before i knew it i was teaching training And then running a night shift before I knew it, I had 75 people that were, that were reporting and doing things like with me. And I was responsible for their accuracy. And like, it was just, it steamrolled. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there came a point in time where they said, Hey, Scott, either we put you in a permanent position because we have one for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, or you need to make a decision. And so, um, I negotiated me leaving the bank and, uh, moving away. Mm -hmm. So I left, um, my last, my last day in Oklahoma City um, at that company was in the end of May, and they paid me through basically August. Um, and I traveled. Okay. Uh, I saw, I saw a bunch of national parks. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to go and work for this other company, and uh, you know, COVID, COVID didn't help it. Yeah. It honestly, it, it, uh, it pulled the plug on the funding for that other job. So I left this career type job at the bank. Uh, I got to see a bunch of stuff, but my, my new job, I transitioned to basically got, we'll use it as a verb. It got COVIDed, Yeah. And, uh, and so here I was in August and I had no job, no, like really no place to stay. So what was
0: the reason for going to all the national parks just to get away?
1: Well, man, I, I worked so many hours. Um, cause I worked so many hours trying to provide for those like the girls and my spouse. Yeah. Um, you know, from probably what was it, 15 to 20 ish, like in that five year span. I also I officiated basketball
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was I was fortunate enough to do it at a high level. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that and working at the bank. And so I was, you know, I was pulling 90 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't take vacation. Uh, often at all um honestly if it, uh I, and when i said i take vacation i took time off to ref that was it and so i was traveling for that and you know i, I didn't take any time away in about a decade uh, from about really 08 09 till 20 i hadn't taken any trips man i hadn't seen anything and so I, said, I love trees, I love nature, I love the mountains, I love the ocean. And I was like, man, I, I want to see stuff. And so I did. I mm-hmm. uh, got in the car and I drove. Um, in June, I drove like 15,000 miles in a three-week span. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I kind of, pretty quickly, I saw this news art. like, it was kind of on a whim, dude. It's, it's funny how it works, but I saw this, um saw this internet, like internet posting about all the national parks, how long it would take you to get from spot to spot. Okay. I was like, hell, hell that would be real cool. So I'm gonna see if I can put some legs to it. Yeah. And so I started mapping out, you know, how can I get to them? I was I was gonna do something crazy, JD. Honestly, uh I was I was gonna try to do everything west of Oklahoma City mm-hmm. in a month. Wow. 30 35. And so I, I planned out, okay, if I spent, if I spent no more than four hours at, at this spot, yeah. I could get to 35 oh. in 30 days. That'd be exhausting. <laughs> oh, Hey, yes, it it was like I did, uh, what was it 13 in a nine day span? Oh, uh, yeah. My my plan got derailed because of those like autonomous zones and uh, some of the riots that were happening, and just the fear of getting getting trapped someplace. Truthfully, but, I I wanted to go out to California and Oregon and Washington State. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah.
0: yeah, Oregon, all that, yeah, yeah. There's a
1: lot. Of the, yeah. All that crazy was going on, man. And yeah. I say crazy, not not because not in a bad way. Yeah, just know. not crazy because abnormal, just abnormal i don't want to be there when it's happening not that i don't support what was going on or support the cause i just man if if it if i didn't have to be involved in you know you know gunfire or fights or anything like that i was trying not to man i'm a lover not a fighter but i don't think i was that good of a lover jd so i was trying to avoid it so i had like the pandemic and covid has affected a lot of things it's like it's been good and bad. It's been strange. It's, it, we're more conscious today of what we touch, how we touch things. Like we're more conscious of where we go. Are they, are they sanitary? And, and these are all things, all things we should have been doing ahead, before, man. I right. mean, I, it seems kind of silly to say that, but you know. You know
0: someone should- I had dinner with, uh I was just eating and she was next to me and she was like, why are we mad that maybe we should wash our hands a little bit more and look at what we're, you know what I mean? It's common things that maybe we should just be more aware of these things. That's all it's teaching us. Like, why are you mad? <laughs>
1: well, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, Hey, well, I'm not willing to say that there's no challenges in taking like education to an online format, mm-hmm. but like COVID has made everybody, everybody in all industries, Mm-hmm. Rethink the way that they deliver their business model. Yes. Yeah. Rethink office spaces. Rethink yeah. leasing. Rethink their training programs. Mm-hmm. Rethink every single form of delivery. And it took something drastic because uh, it took something drastic to do it. You know. Yeah. And so COVID, COVID allowed me to do something drastic and also do some things that was probably for the best for my mental health.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you did that. Cause, and I feel like a lot of people adjust their mental health over COVID. And I'm guessing that trip definitely had an effect on you and the whole process of having to get over what you were getting over did. And for sure. What what do you think were the best tools to help you survive the pandemic? What, 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 if what, if now are you doing that maybe you didn't do before?
1: Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that COVID was the thing, but it was a, uh, it, maybe it was just a coincidence, honestly, JD, and it may, maybe it's not fair for me to answer this question, but just given where I was at mentally before the pandemic hit and what the pandemic provided is the pandemic provided me an opportunity to hit reset. The pandemic allowed me the opportunity to connect with the things that I found to be important to be more meaningful and intentional in relationships with people with, with no gain in mind. I met people just like you during that time,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, I may not have met before that. And I had the opportunity to invest and engage in things that were for my health and wellness, like uh, yoga. I had done yoga a few years ago. So I picked up yoga kind of towards the back half of the year and how important that has been for just my sanity, uh, reading, writing, getting back to some of the fundamentals of the things that I know that I enjoy. And that's, it's probably the biggest thing the pandemic has helped me with is to connect and connect to the things that I know are for me, whether it be the the types of relationships or the types of activities that really light my fire. Right. And and that's what, I, I think that's what it
0: provided me. Okay. And I guess we'll kind of end on this, but what are kind of the things you're looking forward to in 2021? What, what, what are you excited to get into?
1: Man, I, um, uh, I'm going to Hawaii in April, sir.
0: Um, I hate
1: you right now. I know. Hey, I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, and, uh... Jealous the uh what what i don't want to be is insensitive of people's health and well-being i I really don't um i've uh i've I've slotted for me to go and just live life truthfully to see see things and not not being sensitive to um, other people's health and wellness i don't i don't want to i don't want to be insensitive to my hygiene or their hygiene or uh, any type of infectious diseases, but uh, I'm going to take the precautions that I feel are necessary, but I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to, to seeing things. I have a, I have 10 national parks on my agenda for 2021. Uh, At least leave
0: us with number one. Don't go through all 10, but what's number one?
1: Uh, well, number one is going to be volcano national park in Hawaii. Um, well, what?
0: And,
1: uh, and so I, I've, I've been more intentional about how I look ahead to things. And so earlier this month, I took a, I I took a car ride to Tennessee on a three day weekend. I left Friday after I got off work, went, went and saw Smoky Mountain National Park, uh, saw for a day and drove back 27 hours in the car over the weekend. Uh, lots of laughs, smiles and good sights, but you know, before COVID, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have thought to do that. I would have made excuses on why I couldn't do things that were within my control. Imagine. And so I'm looking forward most in 2021 of seeing things, but most importantly, trying to control the things that I actually could can control and don't worry about the rest. Cause some things I just have to accept, you know, um, some things I can influence, some things I can control, some things I can accept or CIA control influence, accept. And, uh, i'm working on putting the appropriate things in those buckets man
0: okay all right wow it, it was great talking to you Scott. i hope to have you on again and i might steal it hopefully it's not trademark cia all right control influence except i like that
1: well i hope it helps man I, I i greatly appreciate the time let me flap my jaws for an hour and uh you know, i to talk to you soon you too